Welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable podcast, the only show that dares to be both on topic and when available on location. Each time we meet, we bring together a group of IT luminaries to discuss a single concept. In this episode, we're discussing next generation storage and the provocative idea that next generation storage just isn't storage anymore. Before we start out, though, let's meet our guests. Andy? Hi, uh, I'm Andy Banta. My Twitter handle is very easy. It's at Andy Banta. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm a storage janitor. And hi, I'm Enrique Signoretti. I work for Gigaum as a senior data storage analyst, and you can find me on uh, Twitter on uh, eSignoretti. Hi there, Eric Abelson, independent consultant uh, working out of France, uh, mostly on infrastructure stuff. E. Abelson uh, on Twitter and infrageeks.com for the blog. And I am Stephen Foskett, organizer of Tech Field Day and publisher of Gestalt IT. You can find me at S. Foskett on most social media sites. You can find me hosting the on-premise IT roundtable and utilizing AI podcasts. And also, I'm a longtime storage nerd. And that's why this premise is especially meaningful to me. So just for background, we're uh, hosting a uh, storage field day event this week, and I was looking through the list of companies that are, be, that are presenting, and it occurred to me that none of these are really storage companies. Now, some of them get a little close. You know, they do make storage arrays or, you know, storage devices of some sort. But, I mean, overall, this just isn't storage anymore. Enrico, I'm going to throw this to you to kick it off because uh, as uh, in your job uh, looking at uh, storage for GigaOM, I think you've probably noticed that uh, there just, just isn't storage anymore. Yeah, I mean, in general, we, we are seeing uh, this transition. So even the traditional companies are, are starting to think differently about what they do and how they present themselves to, to the customer. So, for example, in the list of the vendors that will present next week, we have pure storage. They started as, you know, the, the the fancy guys with the old flash arrays at that time. But actually, the old flash array, even if it's still, you know, a very important part of their business, they started to add, you know, cloud services. They started to add uh, port works, and they are building on top of it. They are building a, a new a new layer that span across clouds to move your data. Around so it's really it's really cool to see this transformation or, or uh, of even this you know uh, standard uh, like let's call that standard vendors in something that is a next generation uh, data services vendors. Well, it's interesting too because I'm looking at the list of upcoming vendors and what I'm seeing here is moving out of that protocol space is we're not talking about iSCSI and we're not talking about Fiber Channel anymore. We're moving up the stack. We're talking about, well, NVMe seems to be the new winner here, but that's a whole other podcast. But I'm also looking stuff here about Hammerspace, talking about abstraction of where your data lives, MinIO dealing with all the new S3 stuff for applications and everything else that goes along with that. And we're talking, we're talking higher up the stack. It seems like the storage array itself is a solved problem. So now we're moving up to places where we're doing more and more interesting things, which so is not the same storage market that we used to be in a few years ago. Right. And what I see an awful lot of is that this is, the again, the storage problem is solved and all of the new solutions that are coming out are actually nibbling at the very the various different edges of the problems of, you know, how do you handle the scale that you're trying to do? How do you handle the, um, the um, high availability, the, the fault tolerance, the, the various different software services that you want to do? 
and having been in the storage industry for a long time, the 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 actual um, you know act of putting the data down on whatever the media is was never really the problem. It was an awful lot of how do you what do you do with it once it's there, and this is just an expansion of that idea. The most of these companies that are coming in here have some something new that they're providing to handle various different customer problems of you know what do you do actually do with the storage what what do you actually do with the stored data rather than how do you actually store it yeah actually to your point and it there is this uh you know new angles that these vendors are taking so for example we have a rectop system it's security focused 100 security focused so they they designed the their storage system uh, around this concept. While, again, Amerspace is all about, uh, you know, data management in a distributed environment, which is, you know, a, a totally different uh, way to think about things. So it, it really changes the perspective of the, of, the, of the users, but also, you know, from, from the point of view of how they are deployed, how, what kind of problem they solve, uh, it's, changing everything. I mean, uh, it's quite incredible what these guys are doing. Well, it's a pretty amazing evolution of this market when you look at what we're no longer trying to solve the basic problems of can we build resiliently high available storage backends that we've got that down. Now, as Andy's pointed out, the question is, let's move up a scale and say, okay, so what do we do with this from the application layer? What do we do with this from a data governance layer? How do we make sure when the days of ransomware and data exfiltration, how do we secure this stuff? And that's all of a sudden, it's a whole new market where we're finally starting to talk to the subjects that the CIOs were talking about and going, here's my problem. And instead of being a storage admin going, my problem is keeping the lights on and making sure the things work and I've got enough space. Now we're starting to finally be able to address the, uh, the business issues uh, from a product level, which is really, really cool. I was gonna jump in there and say that uh, as well, it's interesting, uh, Hammerspace is a really interesting case because this is a company that had some solid storage array expertise in the past, but yet they realized that that just really isn't what they should be focusing on and, and really gave it up. And, um, you know, you look at Hammerspace and Sios and both of them are, well, they're not storage array companies whatsoever. I mean, there's there's no storage array involved here. I mean, that's that's something that's further down the stack. Right. I mean, what I see out of this is that the the people who are doing interesting things in storage are not traditional storage companies, they're companies that are coming in and doing other things around what's needed for storage. And, you know, these, these are not the people who are providing the, the hardware that you, you put your stuff on. They're the people who are providing the services that are important to you for, for storage. And I mean, this is, this of course would be the way that the industry would blossom. It would be that the, um, the base stuff is taken care of, and then you come along with the, the secondary effect or tertiary effect companies at this point. They're actually providing the the more interesting things that you actually need out of your storage rather than just storage itself. And, and when we look at the people we're talking to, these are not people who are actually the, the ones who were doing the storage anymore. They're the ones who were providing the, you know, what's cool and new to do with your storage rather than the storage itself. And again, I think that if we look at many of these players here, they are you know, really uh, also thinking about uh, 
how you consume the storage that is different from the past. So APIs, a lot of APIs that, you know, were was not the case a few years back. The infrastructure is code. And, uh, you know, Kubernetes as the platform on which they deploy the, 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 this part of infrastructure. So Kubernetes is part of the, of the storage infrastructure, which is incredible if you think about it, because, you know, Kubernetes was meant to, you know, run application only, but most of these guys can run it in containers and, you know, can take advantage of these platforms as well. And they can be deployed everywhere. So the, you have a separation finally between the, the physical and, and the, and the, and the, you know, uh, smart part of, of the storage system. I guess the one player in here, well, no fungible plays in this space. We really still have a couple that are, I would say old school is probably exaggerating. And I certainly wouldn't call neither fungible nor vast old school as far as technology goes. But they're more traditional in the sense that they're selling a product, which is here's where to put your stuff. But they are approaching it with the integration of a whole set of modern stacks, which is let's get rid of that entire legacy stack. And we were going, I mean, both of them were talking again, NVMe upends the entire storage protocol stack that we've been dealing with historically. And now we're talking multiple streams. We're talking S3 integration. Again, we have a whole bunch of services layered on top, which are all about modern services. And we're leaving a lot of that legacy stuff behind, finally, which is nice to see. I would put this from a different uh, perspective. So if you think about uh, vast data, for example, they are, you know, um, sharing their revenue numbers and they talk only about the storage, uh, their software part now. While Fungible and Intel, for example, they are component manufacturing in the very core, but they are enabling something that is not possible with, you know, software alone. So they are, you know, uh, enablers from uh, from that point of view of new, you know, uh, even, even new architectures that were not possible a few years ago. So, I mean, uh, it's tricky, but actually, if you look at the different uh, uh, perspective that we have today, it's really cool. There is no real uh, just the appliance that we were installing uh, in the data center a, a few years ago. It's much more complex. It's also much more, you know, interesting space. Well, what I see actually is when we take a look at an awful lot of the services and on an awful lot of the um, new features that people are providing, they're actually bridging the gap between on-premises physical storage and cloud storage. So I think that might be one of the the pushing factors here is that, you know, we, we actually want storage services that can take advantage of hybrid situations where the, the, you have local storage or you have cloud storage, or you might be moving things back and forth between them. So I think that might be an awful lot of where this next generation storage is aiming at would be how to how to provide the exact same stored services regardless of where your bits are stored. So I'd like to bring up a couple of specific uh, cases here. We haven't really talked yet about Racktop. This is an interesting uh, idea. Uh, a group of uh, well, security-minded individuals from the you know federal spy agency backgrounds. You know they created a uh, secure storage platform. Uh, this is really a, a, a wild twist on storage, isn't it? To to have a, a, a storage device that's that's focused on security. 
Yeah, Racktop is one of those really interesting ones that's very much with the times because all of a sudden we've spent years as storage people worrying about how do I make my stuff available? And the questions were always, who are my enemies? My enemies are water, fire, power, or lack thereof as a more specific question. And what's changed is all of a sudden now my enemies are actively evil people trying to get in and destroy and uh, take my data away from me either so that I can't use it or so that they can take it out and sell it to other people which is not at all what we trained a bunch of storage admins and designed products for the last 20 years. I've been building highly available multi-site arrays, metro clusters, what have you. But metro clusters are great and they're going to uh, faithfully replicate all the uh, encrypted data that those nasty people just gave me. So all of a sudden we're dealing with a business problem, which we didn't used to have. And it's really interesting to see people step up to the plate to deal with this kind of a problem. Well, the same goes for the others, I think. So da data is the is the new oil, as they say. I mean, is uh, is uh, is the most important asset of your company. So yes, it, you know, when we didn't have the internet, we didn't have you know all this connectivity, all these open doors everywhere. It was easy to say, oh, my problem is you know uh, the lack of power, or you know. Uh, any sort of disaster, even human disasters, because the human disaster was the, the worst one. <laughs> but but now now that we finally understand that we need the data where we need it, I mean, so a solution like Hammerspace, for example, no, they, that they can somehow teleport your data from a, from a, from a side to the other fairly quickly, or or even uh, you know, racked up system that can give you a, a visibility that was not possible before. We are we are really thinking about data and we are extracting. And even when I talk about MinIO, MinIO has you know serverless functionalities, S3 SQL, uh, S3 Select. Sorry. Uh, so this is smarter than in the past. I mean, it's just just I put some data there. I can offload some functionality to the storage system. To make you know uh, my 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 code more more intelligent, more optimized, or whatever. So this is really cool from my point of view. Right, and, and I mean it's to to expand on that a little bit. It's when we're talking about you know next generation storage isn't storage anymore. It's we're not using RAID systems for resilience anymore. We we've gone beyond, and and you we're we're coming up with all sorts of new ways for resilience. Uh, the it's we're we're adding new services that to, to provide what had been provided for previously with with raid type systems or you know traditional type storage are now being handled by the new vendors coming along and the new software systems coming along to to provide similar services to what we were trying to get 20 years ago with entirely new approaches to it uh you know the the Avoiding active attacks is one of the issues. Uh, the The ability to, you know, run nonstop is another thing that's that's being approached in an entirely different way these days. And um, it, again, the the complete scale of everything that's going on these days has changed dramatically from what it was a decade ago or so where, you know, everything now is a video file or everything now is a massive data set and you need to be able to manage these. You, you, you can't spend 
days going through a terabyte of data. You need to be able to access the data fast enough that you can actually analyze it in a reasonable amount of time. And a lot of these different approaches are, are looking at the you know resilience and scale in a much different way simply because you can't look at them in, in traditional ways. Yeah, and when we're talking about scale, of course, we've got to look at, for example, vast data. I mean, you mentioned MinIO, and obviously that is a massively scalable solution. But, uh, you know, vast data, as Andy was saying, I mean, this is a solution that's been really embraced in the uh, markets, uh, for example, machine learning and data science, where they're dealing with uh, scale that we've never seen in storage traditionally, and not just scale of in terms of terabytes, scale in terms of file sizes, in terms of numbers of files, in terms of numbers of clients as well. I mean, Avast is a really good name for that product. Right. And I, I, was, I was simply going to say that um, in terms of number of clients, that's that's actually one of the places where NVMe comes in to replace traditional SCSI is it, it, it really isn't that different from traditional SCSI other than it's built in the, the ability to do far more transactions in a far more parallel way. Yeah. And, and, and you know, th this is then the point where we find, uh, you know, vendors like Intel and Fungible entering the game because NVMe opened, the, you know, the, this parallelism, uh, you know, shortened the, the data path and everything. And now we have all these, you know, uh, available storage. This is not the bottleneck anymore. The CPU became the bottleneck. So you have to, to build this, uh, you know, through these components, DPUs and, uh, you know, Intel will obtain so a storage layer that is closer to the to the CPU to to have this, you know, uh, additional layer to uh, to go through to, to just, you know, uh, uh, in somehow. Uh, having a, a caching layer or, or, you know, any other buffering mechanism. Right. But it, it's not just closer to the CPU. Uh, NVMe is being used both locally at the, the local bus layer and uh, over fabrics. So the, the NVMe command protocol provides you a lot more capability to do a lot more things in parallel. That's why vendors are looking at it. Uh, that's why like vendors like Fungible and, and Pure are looking at this type of thing. Uh, it, it's the, the command protocol is still the basic SCSI command set, but it's, it's applied in a much different way. And the ability to do it either locally, again, we, we've broken apart the command layer and the protocol layer and, um, the, the protocol layer can be either the local bus within your system, or it can be uh, one of the various other um, transports that are out there that are available as well. Again, it, it's the the same basic breakdown of command versus versus transport, it just handle it at a different layer. Oh, and that's the thing that's been fascinating to me is because when you talk about scale, as Stephen was pointing out. It's not so long ago, talking about a million IOPS, we'd be talking about a room size storage array. I can get a million IOPS off a single M2 uh, latest PC generation, single SSD. So all of a sudden the scale that we have to cope with this stuff is utterly different. The models that we have to deal with them have totally changed. Um, we're not dealing with, uh, where's my bottleneck? Well, it's the storage thing at the end of the wire. 
now there's all sorts of fast devices that mean we have to re-architect all of our storage and go, what's the business problem I'm trying to solve so that I can get access to these IOPS so that I can use them effectively? And that I think is a key here as well. So let's let's really zoom in on that. So we have a couple of solutions here that are really radically different. So you mentioned fungible before, which of course is, well, it's kind of, it's unlike anything I've ever seen before. And it's a really interesting and, uh, and innovative way to approach storage. But then of course, uh, there's the elephant in the room, Intel, Intel Optane. So uh, most of the world hasn't gotten much of an update from Intel in a long time. Uh, because they were uh, splitting off the old NAND business into Solidime with SK Hynix. But now that that's done, uh, I think the world is just waiting to see, the computing world is waiting to see what Intel does next, because Optane was never a good, uh, it was never a good uh, media for SSD. Optane is fundamentally a transformative media more than anything else. And so if you look at what's happening in server architecture with disaggregation and CXL and PCIe 4 and 5, um, I think we're going to see some really radically changed storage solutions and an overall uh, system solutions in the future. I think that's one of the key things that we saw when Vast came to the table, as, as they explained in the first go around, was we looked ahead and said, assuming these components will be available on the market when we come to market, and Optane being one of those key players, we can design an entirely different, radically different storage architecture. And we're starting to see suddenly all lots of people playing catch up and go, hey, this is really cool technology that doesn't fit anywhere else in our systems. And what's something innovative that we could do with it? And again, that has changed and utterly changed uh, the storage package. Now going, okay, I don't just look at how many, what does my storage array give me? It's like, how is it going to deal with this stuff? How is it going to give me that extra boost for my database performance? Is my cache going to live in memory or is it going to live in something like Brazil or what's uh, the Optane uh, memory storage uh, mix? What am I thinking of those? The uh, Optane DIMMs, that's the word I'm looking for. And yes, there is also, you know, this project DAOs that uh, Intel um, presented a, a long time ago and now it's fully optimized for for obtain. I mean, the numbers are crazy. I mean, uh, performance-wise, uh, we are talking about, uh, you know, one of the best uh, file systems slash object source in the market. So, and, and to bring this full circle, since we are talking about a different type of media to store, store, to store our bits on, this is where an awful lot of the new software, the next generation storage software is actually coming from. The need to actually think differently about how we're actually storing the bits and how we will manage them now that they're there. So this was, this is taking the traditional storage problems and applying next generation storage technology to solve the same and new problems using new underlying technology. Well, I have a question at this point. We, we mentioned practically everybody except of uh, Sayus, and this is a new company for me. Probably this is the first time that they present at uh, a Tech Field Day, right? Yeah, it, this is the first time they presented at Tech Field Day, but they're not a new company. They've been around for decades. Right, and I, I tried to touch on this a little bit. Sayus uh, is, is attempting to bring high availability to a variety of different markets, and they, they're looking at both uh, you know, on-premises uh, data center and the cloud. They are looking at various different platforms in both of them. So I 
you know, I, I tried to touch on this a little bit without actually naming names, but yes, that's where they are. But it gets back to what do we're doing with our storage and our data? We're trying to make it highly available. And again, they're addressing one of those fundamental problems, but in some really innovative ways, get you across clouds, across uh, sites, in ways that historically were, let's face it, exceedingly difficult to do. <laughs> and the thing about Sios too, is that it's a super practical solution. I, I think that's the one word that jumps to my mind when looking at it. This thing is 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 supposed to just, just work. And it's really not storage It's, you know, it's, we integrate with, you know, Microsoft cluster server, you know, we operate in Linux and, and it, and it just sort of does its thing in a way that is independent of the storage below it. And, and I think that that's really as well, it goes to our fundamental premise here that storage just isn't storage anymore. So let's sum up here. Uh, let's, uh, what's your thought on this premise? Is storage storage anymore, Eric? Storage is transforming. What we're seeing now is the next generation of tools that let us manage our storage instead of just managing disks. Well, I will add that maybe we are thinking more about data. So finally, we have a meaning for data storage. So it's not just storage, it's more around data and what we can do with it and not just storing it. And, and I agree, it's, it goes back to the old slogan that we used to say, storing is boring. Nobody really cares about where the stuff is stored. They care how it's presented to them. Well, there you have it. Uh, storage has always been a means to an end instead of an end of itself. And I think those of us in the industry have long seen this and known this, but frankly, it was so complicated and it was such a unique field that you needed people to focus on it. You needed companies to be innovating and coming up with uh, specialist solutions uh, for storage. And uh, in a way, integrating up in the up in the stack was almost an afterthought. But now, you know, things have changed. Uh, storage just isn't storage anymore. Storage is a component of a larger stack. And I think that that's for me the answer to this week's on-premise IT roundtable. So uh, as we wrap up, uh, let's uh, once again hear from each of our guests. Tell us uh, once again uh, where we can connect with you, where we can continue the conversation, and if you've. Uh, published or done anything interesting re recently that you want to call out to? Eric? Uh, Eric Abelson, E. Abelson on Twitter, infogeeks.com. I wrote some interesting stuff on the Intel DPUs on Gestalt IT recently that might be worth looking at. Uh, ping me if you're interested in talking about storage. Enrico? Um, again, I'm uh, Enrico Signoretti, and uh, my Twitter account is uh, eSignoretti, but you can also find me on, by searching on Google, because the, I am the only Enrico Signoretti in the IT industry. And uh, and if you want to read something about storage, you can find my write-ups on uh, gigam.com. And uh, I'm Andy Banta, again, very easy, Andy Banta, uh, at Andy Banta on Twitter. Uh, you can find me by, by searching Google as well. I, I've done a variety of different content over various different years. I, I'm not currently publishing a blog, but I am certainly welcome. I certainly welcome any anybody who's interested in having a discussion about storage or anything else that's interesting. And as for me, I'm Stephen Foskett. Uh, you can find me on uh, Gestalt IT, also at the Tech Field Day events. And specifically, you can find all four of us this week 
at Storage Field Day, March 9th through 11th. Uh, we'll be live, cast, live broadcasting uh, on LinkedIn and on our website from basically 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. Pacific time. And if you miss any of the presentations, you can catch a recording of the live stream on LinkedIn, or you can uh, just head over to YouTube slash Tech Field Day to see recordings of all of the sessions uh, next week. So thank you for listening to the On-Premise IT Roundtable podcast. If you enjoyed this discussion, please do subscribe. You can subscribe on uh, YouTube or in any of your favorite podcast applications. Uh, while you're there, maybe give us a like, maybe give us a comment. Uh, that really does help, and we really appreciate hearing from you. This podcast is brought to you by gestaltit.com, your home for IT coverage from across the enterprise. For show notes and more episodes, go to gestaltit.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.